All right, all right. Thank you for tuning in to Peak Earth. I am Case Bradford. The episode you're about to listen to is with the one and only Kellen Casebeer. We talk a lot about all kinds of things, sales, jiu-jitsu, violence, mindset, mastery, California, Kellenomics, Caltrad, babies. You're going to enjoy this one. Thank you for tuning in. And if you do feel like supporting this podcast in any way, feel free to drop me a five-star review. It would make my day, and you'd probably get some good karma somewhere down the line. Anyways, that's all. Hope you enjoy. I'm here today with Kellen Casebeer. How's it going? Doing well, bro. How are you? Absolutely, incredibly pretty good. What was your What was your day day like today? Yeah, today was a good one. Today, I... I, in the, in the spirit of a good Friday, you know, I manage my schedule well. And so I do for my job, like I do a a few different types of things, but it's basically, I'm like selling and coaching salespeople and advising founders on my Fridays. I do group coaching sessions with some of the different like groups that we sell to. Um, And so it's just fun because I kind of have like, I was telling someone earlier, I'm like, it's like running a Twitter spaces with like a bunch of sales bros, you know? So we like jump on Zoom calls and it's like, hey, so like, what's been going on this week? Like, what, you know, what are we running into? Like, what's going well? What's going poorly? Um, And so I had like two different hours of that today. And then besides that, it's just been like little simple stuff. And so like Friday, it goes real smooth. You know, it's three o'clock. Like I get to do this and then, you know, into the weekend. So it's it's, it's been a good one. Got a good night's sleep. Nice. Nice. That does sound like a pretty... Chill day. I know. I so we've been. I've been following your your work, your writing on on Twitter for a while now. You're one of the funnier and and smarter people that that I've come across, which is a great combination, a rare combination to find. How how do you how do you first get into this career path that you're on, in, into the art of sales? Yeah, you know. So it's funny. I actually say like my, the story of sales for me starts when I was like five years old, right? And so my dad was a small business owner, a very modest not super successful small business, you know, like it's funny. Cause like, um, anyways, yeah. So my dad was like a very humble small business owner. And on Saturdays he used to like take me to his shop. So my mom could sleep in, right. Especially when I was really young. And so it was one particular Saturday, uh, and he, his shop was in Oakland, California. And so it was like, I, I remember vividly he had like this RX seven had black leather seats and no AC. So it's like hot as fuck. So we're driving to his shop and I go, dad, what is a job that makes a lot of money? Right? Because as a kid, I, I didn't I didn't even know what work was. I just knew there was this concept of like you do things for someone else and they pay you. And so I'm like, all right, like I might as well get the most for it. Right. And he goes, you know, there's one job in the world where you choose how much you want to make. And, and I like literally in that moment, I was just like, oh my God, what is that? And he's like, yeah, in sales, he's like, depending on how good you do, like you can make more money. Literally since that day, never was going to do something else. Like never want to be a firefighter. Never want to be a police officer. Like it's just like, yeah, I'm going to do sales because like that. Right. And then as I grew up and kind of like had my personality, like I've always been a bit of like a natural leader. Like I've always been a very like direct person. Um, I enjoy like arguing a bit. Right. And so like my mom used to say like, you'll either be a salesperson or a lawyer. Right. And I never really liked school. So it's like sales it was. Um, Yeah. And so that's really what got me into it. Uh, and then like professionally, I started in trade jobs. And so like my first job getting in that led to sales was like running wire and like crawl spaces and like digging holes and like, uh, like digging trenches, like run wiring in backyards and like cutting in like sheetrock for speakers and stuff like that. 
And so I was like an assistant tech and then I became a service tech and then a lead tech and then a project manager. And then once I was managing projects, I could start to do upsells. And once I was doing upsells, I could get people calling me later and being like, hey, we were thinking about. So basically started selling in that environment. Then I started my own business doing it. And so then I did that for like a few years, right? And uh, I had like a weird background because I didn't, I didn't go to high school. I like tested out of high school when I was like 15. It wasn't like a smart guy test. It was like, I took like the easiest test ever. And so um, that's when I got into the trade job. So I've just like worked, like I, I kind of like skipped high school and then started working as like a 16 year old. So I've been like, I've seen some shit, you know, I've lived a little bit. Wow. And how old, how old are you now? I'm 28 now. So you didn't, I'm assuming you didn't go to college then either. You skipped out of the, like the whole school system or? Yeah, no. So I actually did go to college. Um, so the way it worked, it was like, basically, I'm gonna give you a timeline. Hopefully I can like <laughs> keep on top of this. But basically when I was a freshman, I tested out of school, right? So normally where people do four years of high school, that first year I like tested out and did nothing. Right. So then the next three years of what would have been high school, plus the next two years of what would have been college. So for five years, I did part-time community college at night. So I'd work all day and then I'd go to college, right? And like go to school. And so I chipped away at like my general ed stuff over, I did 11 semesters in junior college. So like some people get out in like four, I did 11. <laughs> and, and during those five years though, I worked, right? And so for the first three, I uh, basically did the, like that trade job working for someone else. The last two, I worked for myself. And then my last year going to, or my first year going to a four-year school, uh, it was like the last year I ran my business. And so basically I was able, and, and I, I was able to put myself through school, through working basically. Wow. And at this point where you're at now, did you ever, did you see yourself being in, being this position when you were going through that? It's weird. So like, you know, I have a bit of an ego, but like the thing is like the ego you have about yourself back then thinking about where you'll be and like the way life happens and where you end up and how you feel about that. Very different. Right. And so what, what my life looks like, like now I could have never guessed in any way <laughs> really, but like, I knew I want to be in sales. I've always believed, you know, I, I, I believe that like I could fucking run a company. Like I've, you know, whatever, like as a kid, I identified like that could be a path. There's the idea of like a dream and a goal, right? I never had a goal like this. Like, I don't know. My goal was to become a sales guy. Like seriously, like that was my goal. And so the problem was, and like, honestly, like a lot of my sales career has been, been what it's been partially because my goal is like get into this world, like fight like hell to get out there. You know, like I'm going to, I'm going to do this crazy jobs. I'm going to do this stuff. I'm going to start a company. Like I'm going to put myself through school. I work, you know, I had like crazy blocks of time where I was like working three jobs and I was going to school and I had like zero days off for like 50 day, you know, I mean, just like real weird, weird stuff. Um, and so it's just like, you go basically once I got there, once I got these jobs and like had that seat at that table, it's kind of like, now what? Right. You're just like, okay. Like, and, and like a lot of it honestly is like, I don't, I'm actually like, I'm known for talking about sales. I don't give a fuck about work. I, I think work is so disinteresting. I seriously, like I sales to me, people think I care. I like sales. One, I like arguing, like I said before, but two is like, it's a way to like build a foundation for me. Like I don't, I'm not a super technical person. Like I, I believe I'm like of intelligence, but I'm not interested in like having to, like, I wouldn't want to be a programmer, you know, like I wouldn't want a job where I'm like spending eight hours, like tied to this idea of like technically doing, you know, sales is like doing this. I talk to people, you know, that's what I love doing. And so I'm drawn into this world where I can do a thing I love, which is connect with people and talk to people. And I get to make 
good money doing that. And like, sometimes it's making real, real impacts. Right. And like then, so for me first, it was like, Oh, I'm going to do that. Then sales is now also becoming more of like, this is a vehicle that I can help deliver to other people to do that. Right. And so a lot of my focus on sales and like sharing sales and selling a course to get into sales, it's like, you know, if someone doesn't want to do that, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, cool. Like I don't, I envy people who are less tied into wanting a certain type of life, you know, but I see it as like, Hey, people who want certain types of things or who feel like having certain sorts of like resources would benefit them. Like I see a way to like make that really easy. Um, and then that act has actually been the thing that's more so driven, like where I am today kind of is like being like, Oh, I'm going to be like a, a rallier and like a builder of community around this thing in order to point it elsewhere. I think that's like a lot more consequential for me. Nice. It's a powerful, powerful path and a powerful skills. I think sales gets a bad, sort of a bad rap in, in some ways when people hear the word, they almost think of like a used car salesman that's being like pushy about like adding on, you know, features or, or things you don't need, but that's like not, that's a bad example of sales. Like, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, good sales is just helping someone get what they need and persuading them and make them feel good about the decision too. Right. You know, like, you and I'll probably agree. Most like really fat people are not happy they're fat, right? A good salesperson is going to be better at getting that person excited about changing their life and getting healthier than someone who isn't. So it's like, that's the skill set. It can be applied to making someone buy a shitty car. It can be applied to making someone make a decision that like elongates their life 20 years, right? Most like, you know, what, what we sell them, like, like even in like tech software, it's like a lot of people are like, oh, who cares? It's just stuff. But it's like more like I sell to a person who has a problem that by like using my thing, like if I do a great job, like they, they get major kudos, like their teams win more, you know, their companies succeed and that like that can change, you know, change a lot of people's lives. Right. And so it's, I agree. Like to me, it's like, it's, it's problem solving. It's like finding, you know, kind of like efficiencies in the world. And, and I, I'm to me, like, it's human persuasion, right? And it's like good persuasion isn't making people do what they don't want to do because it's like, that's not very compelling. Yeah, that's manipulation, right? It's helping them feel like what they want is what you want. Yeah, and, and I, the way I think about this is it's almost like our entire economy is built on a foundation of sales. Like the better we are as a nation, as Americans mm -hmm. at selling ourselves on doing, doing things and selling each other on doing things, like the better our economy runs, the better the nation runs in a lot of ways. It's, it's kind of integral to every aspect of, of American life in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's, it's actually, it's crazy. You can sell GDP is like sales, right? And so like you, by selling, like, like you could have, you know, if you had, let's just say a million dollar quota, like if you sold nothing, like the GDP number is going to be a million shy of what it could have been. And if you sold 10 X what you were supposed to, like you're literally helping raise GDP. And so it's like, yeah, it's like consequential stuff. And, and even within the company you work for, it's like without, you know, if you're, there's companies that have 200 people and they have like eight salespeople, right? And it's like literally 200 people's families and livelihoods exist because like these eight people like do a job, right? And so that's why when people are like, oh, who cares about the stuff? I'm like, no, I agree. Like literally who cares? But what I know is like if those eight salespeople do a better job, all 200 of them get a bigger bonus around Christmas, right? Like they're more generous with time off. Like there's, you know, it's like there's real tangible benefits to this stuff. Yeah. And even just the, like the, like you mentioned persuasion as a skill, as a human skill set to just go through life with, whether you're trying to get a job interview or trying to have persuade someone to come on a date with you, 
there's like there's a million applications of this skill that that can be that is used on a regular basis. It's such a power. How did you how did you go about learning and, and mastering um, this the skill, getting better at it as as, as you went? Yeah, on? my mom, my mom, man, I have I have like the best parents, right? Or like, and so my my dad passed away in 2017, but like I have this amazing mix of parents, which is my dad didn't graduate high school, um, and he started a small business, right? And, and he like did okay. Like my mom got to be a stay at home mom professionally because my dad hustled his ass off right and so like my dad is just your archetype like you know like get it done type dude and then my mom uh like has her master's degree she she went to school she, uh she used to be a social or she isn't now again i guess she was a social worker and then like later on she like got a job again for fun but like basically my mom has always been like the high eq empathy side right and it's honestly quite like against my nature but it's been something that has been contrasted against my nature literally my entire life. And so I've been taught every lesson as many times as anyone because I've misstepped as many times as everyone. And like the way she used to teach it, the thing that like comes to mind for it, like the visceral reaction I have is around being in elementary school and like being mad at my friends where it's like if someone did something I didn't like and I'd be like, fuck them, I hate them, right? Or I'd be like, that kid's like a dick or they're, you know, whatever. And my mom would always go like, you know, Kellen, they're not, they're not a dick. They're just insecure and like things like that. Right. And as a kid, I'm like, I could not care less. Like what? And so I would be like so mad about like stupid little things. And my mom would be like, they're just insecure. Like, and she would just like commodify, commodify, commodify and be like, you don't get it. Like, it's not, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. And like a lot in my life. And so it was weird because she was a really big advocate for like, we control our feelings, right? Like things happen and we feel things and like, that's a reaction to what happened, but we have a lot more control over that than like we believe, right? And she was always an advocate for that. I never agreed with it. <laughs> like I hated it as a kid for the most part. It was just like annoying because it's like, this is my mom. You know, she wouldn't let me be angry. She wouldn't, and I just wanted to rage. So that was a lot of it. And then like I had, you know, I used to be like pretty, not like I was a completely different person, but like I had an experience in my life where my, my little brother, my middle brother got run over by a car and like he almost died. And basically I had this like momentary, like very spiritual experience, but like I was in this elevator hospital going up to like basically hear how he was going to be doing or whatever, which I ended up being fine. It's fine, but I'm um, strong as shit, way stronger than me. But he, we're going up in this elevator and I just remember having this like really strong feeling like I'd switch places with him, right? Like I was like, I would, I was like, I would, and like, I used to be like such a dick to him, right? And I was like, I would easily, like he's in pain. Like I'd like, I'd die for him right now, right? And like, I, I it was weird because I was like aware that I felt that. But I was like, I'm such a dickhead to this guy. And I'm like, but I do mean this. Like, I would. And I realized, like, it changed my life forever because it was just like, I'm blowing it. Like, I don't mean this stuff. You know, who I am is this other stuff. And since then, it's just been, it's like the two things came together because I realized, like, oh, people will behave other than what they mean. And if we're tapped into, like, what we actually mean, it will help us behave better, Right. And it's like been the application of that. And so it goes back to my mom, but it's like that understanding, right? Because in sales, you think of the fat person. The basic sales understanding is like sell the fat person on getting unfat, right? Have you ever met a fat person who didn't want to be unfat? Like, no, they don't want to be fat. They hate that they're fat and they're not becoming not fat because they're like, oh, someone needs to tell me it would be better, right? It's like, that's not what it is. So they're acting out of alignment with what they want, and they're doing it because of emotional, illogical, visceral reactions to things. And the way that you help them is to help them calm and mitigate those irrational things, not sell rationally.
right? And so that skill, like the same thing that helped me understand myself with like my, my friends in elementary school and then like the things I learned with my brother, it's like, it's the same stuff going forward where, you know, classically like salespeople get hung up on, right? And a lot of people are like, oh, they hang up. I'm going to try to like tell them like, hey, I could give you this thing. It's like, there's this benefit, right? And it's like, no, like good sales is calling them like, you know, hey, Case, this is Kellen. I know you get 30 of these cold calls a day and you hang up on 29 of them and my number 30 and just owning it. Right. And it's like by cutting straight through to the truth of it, it's like, even if you want to be a dick to me, like by I'm communicating to you so humanly, they almost like short circuits their ability to be a dick because you're not like that, like robotic pattern that they're used to hanging up on. You're like, oh, this is like a real person. So anyways, that's a very like roundabout answer. But like, that's basically the gist of that lesson to me. Yeah, that's that's a powerful one. This this understanding is one of our I'd say one of our primary challenges as a species is, is looking at our like looking inward and be like, whoa, we're being driven by this primal brain by this, like even you could say lizard brain in a lot of ways, those two brains, you know, as part of our triune brain, when we're trying to like neocortex our way out of it, trying to like use our, and everyone's like just beating themselves up when their little peanut size neocortex is not like overcoming the rest of their like primal lizard brain. And it's like, hold on, like, you know, try and go a little deeper, find some alignment there within you know, the rationality, we're really being driven by this rationality as much as we hate to admit it. It's funny. That's such a good analogy is like the equivalent of that is like salespeople want to pitch. They want to say the thing they can do that's useful, but it means less. It means more with more context. And so it's like, if you came to me and you're like, Helen, I want to buy, you know, sales training. If I was just like, great, it's this much. Like there's very little value built in. If I said, why do you want to do it? And you're like, because I have a job and I need to be better. Like there's a little more. If I said, well, like, who cares if you're better at your job? And you're like, I'm going to get fired if I'm not better. And I say, oh, do you care if you're fired? And you're like, yeah. Now the price I say, it's a lot, it's worth a lot more, right? Because I've dug in. And so um, it's like a cat though, right? Where a cat, if you, are you a cat guy? Like I'm not a cat guy, but I used to live with someone who had a cat and cats want to pounce on their prey, but they also, and so the cats, uh, Basically, within a cat, they're wired to want to pounce, but they're trying to counteract that to like increase the statistical likelihood of like winning or like killing their prey. And cats will shake, right? And so even like a house cat with like a toy or like if you, you know, but if you're feeding it or something, they'll sit there and they'll shake when they're about to jump on it because it's like instinctually every bit of their body is like firing the nerves to be like jump, 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 attack, attack, attack yet it's doing its absolute hardest to try to withhold just slightly longer, right? And I think that like life is a lot like that, where it's like, that's like the reality of being like a, kind of like a, you know, what we'll call like a sane person, right? Is like, you're you're dealing with like, we're, you know, being hammered with signals emotionally and all this other stuff. And we're like trying to control things. And I think one of the biggest things people can do to like feel better about that is just be like, you don't need to control everything, right? The cat's probably not concerned that it's shaking, right? Like you don't need to, it's like, yeah, like you're, you're, you're trying to reconcile the irreconcilable, right? Like that might feel like something that might cause you to feel away. And just because you feel away because you're struggling to reconcile things, it's like, that's not the end of the world. That's like, it's actually like, it'd be crazy to try to solve that. And so if you're feeling that you're like, oh, I'm going to try to just like overpower it. It's like, yeah, fuck, good luck. Right. And like you said, it's like, hey, find out the way that you can just like, it's just going to be like that. It's okay. Yeah. Going with the the flow in a lot of ways. And it makes me think of martial arts. I know you're also a fan of 
martial arts and you, and you practice jujitsu and I think there's a lot of corollaries between what we're talking about and in, in martial arts as well and, and in jujitsu and using, you know, the momentum of the moment to sort of roll with the flow and, and take opportunities when they arise, but you can't really force anything in that context. Like you've got to be patient and, and attack opportunities when they present themselves. And sometimes you've got to faint in one direction and then go back in another, in another direction. How'd you, how'd you first get into martial arts? Dude, I've been like into like the idea of fighting like my whole life, right? Like I've just like, you know, like violent video games, like, you know, I, I did, I did actually, I did like sport karate when I was like a little kid. Right. And I did like, like I would go like compete and shit. Um, I didn't do it a ton though. And I was, and I was like pretty little, like probably like eight, you know what I mean? But like I did it, you know, and you develop those motor patterns a bit. Right. So it's like, you never lose the fact that you learned how to like properly pivot your feet and some things like that. And so I did that early on. Um, I was a competitive soccer player and I was a skateboarder. Right. And so I was like a skater kid, like through and through, through middle school. And then I played like high level soccer. And so I was kind of like, I didn't really have like a time or focus on martial arts. And so like my, like, and honestly, I'd almost say that my relationship to martial arts, I would probably just call it my relationship to violence because it's like my, like, you know, whatever. Um, not that I don't take other sides of it, but I think that that's like the thing it most hits on for me. So uh, then when I stopped playing soccer, I started training Muay Thai at first because I was a soccer player. I was like, I could kick like fucking hell. Like that makes a lot of sense. And so while I was working crazy amounts of jobs and going to school, I was doing Muay Thai for a little bit. I think I did it for like a year and a half. And basically you just get to this point or like I got to this point where as a competitive guy, like I'm, I'm not good at like holding myself back. And so I was getting to this point where I'm like, if you're going to be on this journey, like you're, you're doing the thing. Right. And at that time, especially like I was kind of not interested in being in a like environment where it's like, Oh, you'll like take punches to the head. You'll like take, some of this damage and stuff. And I was kind of like skeptical of it. I, I still am, but like, especially then I was kind of like, cause I was in college looking towards like potentially moving forward into a career and going like, all right, you know, like what can I have black eyes and things like that. And so I stopped doing that. I didn't immediately get into jujitsu. I have a actually a history of dislocating my shoulder, my left shoulder. I did real bad skateboarding when I was younger. And so I've dislocated like a number of times. And so it doesn't give me issues. But and it will dislocate easier in like that upper quadrant back there, basically. And uh, and so I was really like for a long time I wanted to do jujitsu, and I basically was just like scared. Like honestly, like I was like scared of my shoulders like stability. And um, one day, like you know, it's like as I become older and become more and more of like who I am, like I I just had this day where I was like, dude, I'm not gonna fucking not do something because I'm scared. Like I'm. Like, I don't not do anything because I'm scared. And so I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And then like really quickly, I just realized like, ah, this isn't an issue literally at all. Like it's almost not, an I tap to Kimura's quicker. That's it. Like literally, like I, I, I you know, I'm de- that's it. And so, um, yeah. And so like I jumped in, you know, like I, I was a Joe Rogan podcast listener. I was into martial arts way before I knew him, but like, you know, I was into that. And, and uh, so I looked in my area and I was like, all right, what are like the different jujitsu gyms? And um so like Eddie Bravo started 10th planet hit Eddie Bravo's first black belt is this guy, Denny. And Denny is my coach's coach. And so basically it's like real, real strong competitive lineage. Like my coach competes in MMA actively still like he's, he's a world champion at every level, like every belt level in jujitsu. And so basically I saw that and, and like, I was more uh, drawn to like no gi than gi. Like I'm not a very traditional guy. So I was kind of like into the idea of like the non-trad like martial arts. And so like, 
that was the first place I stepped in. And like, and it's funny, like I told my wife beforehand, but like, I'm the kind of guy where like, when I was signing up for jujitsu, I was like literally looking for something that I'm never going to stop. Like it was very intentional. Like I'm looking for the gym that I'm going to sign up in and I'm trying to make the decision to like do this thing for the rest of my life. Like I want this to like never stop basically. Um, and that was like four years ago and off to the races. Nice. It's cool that the path of violence led you to, led you to Muay Thai, which is definitely the most, really the most violent activity that one can do. At least that's coming to mind. Maybe you can think of a more violent one while I, well, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. here, but it's, it's like hyper violent, right? It's the art of eight limbs. Yeah. You can be hit with punches, knees, elbows, kicks from, from both hands. That's, it, it's incredibly violent. I, I remember hearing about, you know, the crazy thing to anyone listening, the kids do this in Thailand from a young age. They're like four, eight, seven years old. They'll kick bamboo trees until their shins break so that the broken shin heals back stronger so that when they go to kick other kids and, and block it with their shins, their shins are, are stronger. Like it's crazy thinking that from an American standpoint where we like coddle our kids in T-ball and they're just like out there kicking bamboo trees. But Well, it's also like you'll have a 20-year-old who has 100 pro fights. <laughs> Like, you know, it's like, seriously, it's like, oh, here's this guy. Like he's 22 years old. He has 107 wins, like 38 ties and like 74 losses. And you're like, what the fuck? And it's like, and he's fighting a 58 year old guy with 872 wins. Like, and you're like, what? And then he, yeah. So it, it's a crazy sport. I mean, they, they're very active. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the other side of that spectrum is jujitsu, where if, if you were to match up a pure Muay Thai fighter versus a pure jujitsu fighter. And, and we saw this in the early days of, of the UFC, I think, if not something close to it, you'd, yeah. you'd likely see a, a jujitsu win, you know, nine times or most of the time, most of the time the jujitsu guy would win simply because it, it's sort of impossible to stop a grappler that knows what they're doing once they get into close quarters. And, and you can't do much Muay Thai in close quarters. Like you're, you know, you're yeah. wrapped up. Plus, I think it's also like, to me, it's like, punching and kicking is like familiar right so it's like the idea of like a punch and a kick it's like someone who doesn't know jujitsu like that's the equivalent to like not knowing how to raise your arm right like in terms of striking it's like oh if i like if a boxer is boxing a guy who could not bring his arms above his belly button like that's how i would feel like against a guy who knows zero grappling it's just like oh like great like oh you're gonna try to punch me like <laughs> have fun yeah no it's it's really the I don't know how some how a man doesn't engage with jujitsu at least for some time to not learn like the fundamentals of self defense. It's it's like really it should be taught in all schools. Really, in in my opinion, it it should be uh, because the the benefits it has from from developing confidence to just self discipline they're so wide ranging. It would really change American culture if, if jujitsu was more widely adopted, especially in our school system, which is, I mean, that's a far out there idea for where we're at now. But man, it, it was transformative for me in those regards where I was, I was able to become much more confident as, as a smaller guy. You know, I was 150 pounds walking around when I first started learning jujitsu and just knowing, okay, if somebody attacks me, like I could at least probably choke them out if they don't know jujitsu. Yeah. And that's like a big, that's really helpful for a smaller, like for anyone who's, who's smaller and even, even someone who's, who's larger, just walking around in an urban environment where there are threatening people here and there, drunken people, like schizophrenic people. Yeah. It's really helpful to learn how to take someone's back and choke them out because yeah. you might 
might actually need to use it. Yeah, I, I consider it like I call it like body geometry or like the geometry of how two bodies interact. Regardless of how you learn it, you are at a major like disadvantage and risk if you don't understand like what two like bodies clashing is like. I know like someone who's familiar with that, seriously, like grappling dudes will close their eyes and they'll beat the shit out of you. They're like, yeah, come at me. Like, I'll just go like this. You're not going to knock me out. And as soon as you touch me, I'm grabbing that. And you know what I mean? And so it's like, and as soon as I felt that, like as soon as you do jujitsu against like a great wrestler who's doing no jujitsu and they're just like keeping my, my, so when I sought out my gym, the other part of it was my coach is 145 pounds. I'm like 200 pounds. I'm like 190, 200, you know? And so like, I'm, I'm 5'10". I'm not super tall, but like, he's a small dude and he's super bendy. He does lots of inversion stuff. And I intentionally wanted to find the guy who was the least like me. I'm like, this is so against my nature. And it was like, because if I can learn how to do what works for this little dude, like imagine me being able to like apply, you know, similar later. And that's not really like, it's funny. Cause that's like a very impulsive way of looking at jujitsu. And now it's kind of like, ah, oh, like actually probably what works for my body is probably just different than what works for his body. But it's, it's still that like, you know, my coach can just do anything he wants to me. And it's like, he's a little guy and he'll just crush me. And it's like the idea of like a 145 pound guy crushing a 200 pound guy sounds so silly. And when I say crush, I mean like, like can keep every like joint of my body against the mat the entire time. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's just like not even, uh, you know, not competitive. And I remember, you know, four months into like jujitsu class or six months in when you start getting new people and the first new people, like the first time you go against another new f- person, it's just like, you are like a, you're a limp noodle and you're like, man, this is crazy it, because it's like six months, like that's such a huge difference, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I wrestled in high school, so I had some grappling experience and I was like comfortable just like rolling around with other people. But it was funny when I started taking jujitsu in, in the real world, like after outside of school, it was more of a self-defense lean and, and it was like wearing a gi and one, and it was, it was in New Hampshire. So like, it's not like California where martial arts is, is pretty big. Like there's a lot of schools out here. There, there's not that many on the East coast, at least not in New England. Um, people would come in for a free, free class. And, and one day I rolled with like this woman who must've been 75 pounds. She was like so tiny. And it was like doing jujitsu against a toothpick. It was like ridiculous. Yeah. You're so late. And then the next day the, I was doing it against a woman who was like completely obese, must've been like 300 pounds. And it was like doing jujitsu against a beach ball. And, and yeah. what I, what I, on, on one hand it was, it was hilarious. And I was just laugh, laughing to myself because the experience was so different, but it's also crazy how like anyone from any shape, size, age, it's such a wide spectrum of people who can engage with this activity oh, yeah. and really do it in a, in a way that's like enjoyable and fun. And, and it's great for your mind too, because you're stringing together these, these movements, learning how to play with momentum and, and force and aggression and patience. And, and it's, it's just, uh, how has it changed the way that you perceive life or, or, or the way that you show up in the world? Yeah. Well, one thing is like, good like you know so the biggest thing i think is that like i i have so much love for like my coach like i i sought him out and i like continue to choose him daily like it's the guy right and um and i think like a really like a truly great coach like does just change your life right like they change the way you look at everything right like his like our gym's motto is be consistent right super silly but like there there's just so much like i would just say that jujitsu like being in martial arts in general is like this it's like in in light you know there's an analog to life which is like anything that you dive so deeply into it's like this one thing has all truths within its one little micro and so it's like and my coach is an ex so my coach is a, by the way a lifelong martial artist he, he's like a black belt in 
uh, Kung Fu. He's like, he has a bunch of different weapon systems. He is a lifelong martial artist through and through a true ninja. He's a, he's a white American dude who wanted to be a ninja. You know what I mean? And like put his money where his mouth was, trained everything, right? And so he's like, he is a appreciator of martial arts as a meta. He's a, an appreciate, he's a philosophy guy. He's into, you know, like history and stuff. And there's all of these like broad sort of learnings through that. Um, and so I think like there, and I think the biggest one probably is just understanding like the, the two-sidedness of like the elite skill is like one it exists and it's scary. Like there's just people that are just like crazy, like, you know, crazy good exists. And then two, the flip side being like, and it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just being like, cause I think if you look at the world a little bit more like fuck, anyone could be anything a little bit, you know what I mean? And it, and it changes. It's, there's some ego, um, there's some like ego work that goes into that. Right. Because like, no matter who you think you are, like you go on the jujitsu mats, you suck the first day. Like you just, you will, you're just going to get crushed. Like you're not going to be good. Um, and I think it's like, that's good because it's like, that's a truth. Everyone needs to like eat. And then the benefit you get from like sucking it up, you're the worst one there and like chipping it away at it, like so smallly because it's such a incremental gain. And then like two years later, like once you're there, I think that's, the lesson is like, holy shit, I just showed up every day or a couple times a week for this long. And like, now I'm this person and realizing like, that's life. Like whatever thing you show up on this little daily, you'll end up there. And then you learn, you see enough cycles of the people who come in so excited and so riled up and they got the cool gear and all the things. And then they're gone two months later. Right. And it's like, it becomes this thing where you just pick out. It's like what consistency looks like is a lot different than what you think. Like what commitment looks like is different than you think. Like, you know, there's that saying like, you can do a lot more in three years than you realize and a lot less in one, something like that. You know, so it's a lot of that kind of stuff. I think like there's a lot of long game things and it's like, it's so, it's so weird because it's like so intense. Like, you know, the idea of violence and fighting is so intense, but it's like, it's so not that also because it's like, you'd think like these guys are like fighting each other. It's like, no, like it's actually like you're a clown if you're trying not to lose. Like if you're in a martial arts room, not like not just super okay with like losing constantly you know, and so it's like, there's a lot of that too, where it's like, oh, you think you're better, so you're winning? Like, how about be better, so lose, right? And like, where are those lessons elsewhere in life? Where it's like, oh, like, you think you can be the big guy in flex, but like, here's why you might, you know, be otherwise. And I guess the last one I'm, I'm talking long, but like, the other one I like is the relationship of training jujitsu. Like you're, you know, you have, to, you have the person doing the move, and then you have an uki, who's like the person you're doing it on. And like in jujitsu, you're responsible for helping your teammate get good reps, right? So even if I train with a black belt, I'm responsible for giving them like a good session and they're responsible for giving me one. And so it means, and similarly, if I train with like a brand new white belt, like I, if I go smoke them, that's doing nothing for me, it's doing nothing for them and I'm being a bad teammate, right? And I think that that's like a really cool lesson where it's like, no matter where you are, like take responsibility for like driving, you know, lessons and learnings and improvement. Those are awesome. Yeah, those are those are big ones. Consistency, showing up over the long term, and and collaboration, working with people of various skill sets, scaling up or down as the situation arises, and 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 the the benefit of of dedication on the path to mastery. Th those are all big big benefits that jujitsu delivers, and everyone who kind of engages with jujitsu in, in like a real intentional way kind of comes away with a similar understanding about mastery about life and about 
how to get better at something, you know, just showing up every day over and over again, bringing your full attention to the thing. It's like, even if it's a little bit boring, okay, just, just do the your best. Like, what do you have to lose? You know, there is no losing. There's just learning. You know, it's an iterative process every, every single day. And it's, it's, it's so contrary. I think there's some, some, it's almost like there's this kind of Eastern way of, of looking at the world that is contrary to sort of like our Western linear binary thought where it's like win, lose, and, you know, dominate mm-hmm. the opponent where it's like, well, what if, what if we kind of work together? And then what if we keep learning? And what if we keep up leveling? Yeah. Man, it, it's, it's so powerful. Another part of it to me is it's like, there, it's also like, it doesn't matter if you win a round, right? So it's like, what's, what the, the value is the training. Like you, I participate in jujitsu. There's rounds I win, there's rounds I lose, but like the one rounds aren't necessarily in a lot of ways they're worse. Right. And I think it's like, I'm a big fan of looking at life that way, where it's like, look, like we hate when we, I have a tattoo, uh, a more fatty, right. Love your faith. And it's like, it's one of my two tattoos. I'm not a big tattoo guy. Like, but it's like important to me where it's like, I think to me, like I, I align with like Western work ethic, Western competitiveness, like all of these things. But I think where it misses the point is like, but I don't think it matters that much. Right. Like, I don't think it's actually that consequential. I do it because it doesn't matter, not because it matters. And I think that that's in, in its abundance versus scarcity. Right. And jujitsu teaches you abundance. It's like, you got another round, brother. Like it's coming. You know what I mean? Like you do not have to win this round. You can lose it. Like you can lose this tournament. You can lose the next hundred rounds. Like, because if you're still going to be doing it, if you intend to be in the game, the, any, you know, little minute thing is it, it's nothing. Right. And I think, um, I, I, I like that train of thought that you're saying about like, it's antithetical to that. And and for me, it's like, I think it's, yeah, it's, it, it's like meditative and it, that it can pull you out of that thinking and it can help you just see things. It's kind of like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What is, um, what is the other tattoo you have? Yeah. So the other one I have is just a black band. It's the first one I got and I got when my dad died. And so basically, um, I was a soccer player, right? I was in Muay Thai. And so I've always been like a, <clears throat> a lower body dominant guy. I've been like a leg guy, right? Me and my dad coached soccer together. He coached me. And so I got a tattoo on my right leg, like a mo- band of mourning that people wear like on their arm. And also because it's like, it's plain, it's bold, and it's a really painful style to get. And so I kind of wanted to do something that was just going to be like a, an experience, you know, to go through something. Yeah. And on that Vain of thought with the with the jujitsu. One one other question I had that was lingering was was have you ever had to use this martial art or any other martial art outside of the dojo in in the real world? Yeah, not really jujitsu a ton. I you know um, I'm like I'm like I'm I'm not a small guy, right? And like I'm I'm intense and I'm very confrontational. And so part of it is like. I would just say though that it's it's like the the use it's given me is like the comfortability in knowing what I would do if like my bluffs are called so to speak. Not that they're bluffs, they're not bluffs, but it's like um, I've been in a couple of situations. Like I was on a Bart train once where like a homeless person attacked a woman. Like it's really crazy because I was drunk. I was drunk on a Bart train late at night, and I was just sharing my own business. And there was almost no one else on it, and a homeless person attacked a girl behind me. Like I like helped her out and I like, got that person off, whatever. But like it wasn't. I haven't, you know. So I haven't been in like outside physical altercations that were like, let's fight because any sort of like outside physical altercation has been more akin to like not jumping someone, but kind of like, you know, either being attacked and attacking back or like physically stopping a situation from happening, which is like not, it's so not competition. You know, it's like kind of, but kind of not. It's heroic stuff. Like not, not 
everyone is, is able to, to do that. And I don't think, you know, you kind of brush by that, but I just want to mention that, I, you know, I've seen enough videos online now of people being attacked or, you know, nobody doing anything and, and it just, just playing yeah. out. So I, I just want to take a moment to commend you for, you know, being, being a man of, of, of power and, and capability. And, you know, you've put it work into that. So being able to, to take that into the world and, and, and serve your community. Yeah. I think that's so important. I like that phrasing, man. Like I, I'm a big believer. I, I loved Gavin McGinnis, right. And like his, you know, he was a big advocate for like this type of stuff with it. But like, I see, I've always seen it as like, there's people like the laws are upheld by like government and the police or whatever. But like, I think that there's a societal standard that like we're responsible for upholding you know and and like i i hate bullies winning like i hate bad people winning you know like i i'm kind of a dumbass with this stuff honestly because i'm so confrontational like i'll be the dickhead in a situation like if i see someone being a jerk but like in a kind of presumptive way like i'm very willing to like make it a situation a bit you know um which like i've been fortunate for not to go bad and like i'm not like a super i don't know like i'm not like an aggressor out in the streets or whatever but it's just like i I, you brought it up. I very much so believe in that stuff. And I think it's really important for people to like kind of uphold like the world they want around them. I agree. I agree. And, and you've also taken the step to become a father for, or for recently you, you do, you do have a new baby now. Is, is that, is that correct? How's, how's that going? So yeah. Far? Oh my God. It's amazing. It's just like, it's, it's weird. It's, it's such a paradox because like, you know, it's going to be amazing. You know, like my mom always is like, oh, you have no idea, blah, blah, blah. You know, again, I have great parents. So like they, they, you know, like that had been communicated to me, but like then you have a kid and it's, it's just different, you know, but it, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's cool. So one thing is like, I was really intentional. Like I wanted to have a son so that I could add stress to my life. Like that was a conscious sort of like lens was like, I want, like, I need stakes. I want the stakes, you know, I want something to like drive me. And and it's felt like that, you know, it's, it's wind in your sails. And like, there's things that are challenging and there's like, at times sleep thing, you know, we've been really fortunate, like, honestly, it's just gone pretty smoothly. So like our son sleeps really well, like he eats well, he's been healthy, like, it's, you know, the pregnancy went well. And so it's been pretty smooth. Um, but it's a lot of perspective stuff, you know, and it's real weird, because like, it's, it's caused a lot of thinking around, like, you look at your son, you know, it's like, this is like, my parents looked at me as this like innocent tiny thing at one point, you know, which is a very, very, uh, powerful, you know, you, you just have these like weird emotions. Like, I don't even know. I can't even describe them, but you just have these like senses of, it's just like super mind twisting to like, look at an infant and be like, I like, you don't, you literally don't know what's going on. Like you don't, you're not perceiving like the world, like you have no idea. And you're like, and I was that. And like, my parents were looking at that. Right. And now it's like, and now that's me. And I have this world around me. Right. It's, it's like, it's crazy. You know, it's just, it's very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. It's wild to think we were all, we were all like that at, at one point, <laughs> just a bundle of innocence and joy and just like helplessness. And the whole world is basically revolving around us. We've got these like giants that don't make any sense, just like sticking yeah. their boobs in our mouth. And we're just like yeah. <laughs> relying on them for everything. Yeah. And it's cool too. Cause like, it's weird. I had this sense of kind of like my life's complete. Like I was kind of like, I can like die now, you know, it's just like a weird thing, but it's like, uh, and my goal isn't like only have one kid, but it's just like, it, it just kind of felt like, okay, like I had my kid. Like I, you know, like I, I did that thing. Um, 
yeah and it's 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 a trip i mean it's like it's so weird like the just how irrational it is and like how reliant it is you know it just makes like human and, and it's in even thinking of it being like like him being like sentient like being like you're like you're gonna have like your own you know you have your own brain and soul like you're gonna I have a hard enough time looking at my wife and thinking that she has her own life. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm like, oh, babe, like you have your own experience. Like, that's such a trip, you know, like that's such a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around. And then like you create one and you're like, and now this has it, right? And you're like, this is me. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's very, yeah, it's powerful stuff. I mean, it's, and again, it goes back to like, it helps you also just realize like how, you know, I'm a big people person. So I believe like, relationships and people and like our interactions like most important stuff you just look at it and you're like this is so consequential like we created a net new life that is like here breathing like it's relying on us like we have all these duties it's like how could you ever have that be in your life and then look at like other random shit and be like oh this is super important or like you know it's like no it's like everything else just becomes like stuff you know there's this stuff there's my family you know it's i think it's really healthy for people to have you know sort of like that purpose yeah it is such a such an amazing aspect of life the fact that we can it's almost everything is kind of driving us to that from like a a deep biological level right it's it's not even a human right it's like that is the lived experience the the trees and the grass and the oranges and and the birds and the everything like every living thing is that's it it's true would have been some memorable moments so far from from this yeah. experience as a father. Biggest one, like the thing that hits you so hard is like, you can tell at first that they're not really perceiving anything, right? Like you can just tell. So it's like, you can tell that like when they, they start crying, it's like, oh, they're hungry or something, but like they're kind of just existing. Then they'll start to like smile and stuff sometimes, but even that you can tell, and it's super interesting, but you can tell it's like wiring, right? Like they'll be like doing something, they'll be like, like and you're like, whoa, like you just smile. <laughs> and like, you know, they'll get these like little corners of smiles and stuff. But when we started like looking at you, locking eyes and smiling at that, and you knew it's like, you're smiling at me. That's the thing where you're just like, like oh man. And so I think that's, you know, that's a big one. We, t- we took him to, um, he was one month old and we took him to Las Vegas and we went to ADCC, like the G- submission grappling championship. So like, that was like a two day event that was in, like, we're inside like 12 hours one day and 10 the other. You know, it was like, a, it was like a huge stadium. And so we took him to that. That was just super fun. Right. Like we, we were there, he, he met Liver King. He met like a bunch of, uh, he saw Jocko Willink. <laughs> like there was like a bunch of funny, like, you know, a bunch of jujitsu guys. And so that was pretty cool. Um, it's fun having a baby in general. Like people look at you very strangely, right. Cause we're like pretty young for having a kid. And so people can't not react to babies. That's also something you don't realize. Now that doesn't mean everyone likes babies. It means that whatever people feel about this, they are going to make very, very, very publicly known. And so you'll be like walking in public and you'll get like really rude glare sometimes or like weird looks. And it's like, it's, you know, as long as you're not bothered by it, it's hilarious because you're just like, damn, like what's that person carrying around? (laughs) Like what's going on? (laughs) Wow. Dang. The whole idea that we're, that we're here basically are, are, it's kind of our sole biological drivers to make babies. We're at this place now where there's this common idea that it's like someone thinks they can't support having a child financially or that the world is like overpopulated. There's like all these ideas around, and this is all like very new stuff. And I think it's an offshoot of just the fact that our species is kind of going insane in a lot of ways. And what, what do you make of like 
just the state of the world at large, like around you as, as a, as a new father with, with a child in the world, are you like, just overall, what, what, what's going on? What's going on out there? Yeah. yeah. What is out there? I don't, well, one, I don't know. No, (laughs) it's funny. Um, no, but like, it's interesting. I think, so the first thing is I had the perception that babies would be more expensive. And then like, I had the thought like, wait, I don't actually don't know that. And I really, so like one is I'm like, like, I'm like a red pilled guy that like, I'm aware of a lot of like the psyops going on. And so, but sometimes the thing is like, you don't think about a psyop as a psyop depending on your context. And so I realized like, I have some perceptions about babies and I'm like, I think they're driven from the same place. A lot of things I disagree with come from. And I literally like put it out on Twitter one time. I was like, be real with me. Like how much do babies cost? And this was before we were pregnant, but like, we've been talking about, so like we kind of knew it was good. And, and people were just like, like all a lot of the parents were like oh nothing like nothing not you know you like blah, blah, blah. and I was just like oh no shit like everyone is saying it's not that big of a deal so in terms of cost I don't think the cost is a big deal like it, it, it's a little bit there but it's like again I'll teach you get a sales job and you can afford it like <laughs> you know like seriously like it's it's manageable it's not super crazy it takes a good bit of time and attention and like energy and stuff but it's like yeah. And then in terms of like, I, I don't believe in overpopulation stuff literally at all. And like, I also just believe it's like, whatever, if like earth is doomed, like my family is going to like ride into that, like fucking studs. And so like, I'm going to, my belief is my personal belief is literally do nothing by fear. So like, I don't make decisions from fear. I make decisions from like, what would excite me? Right. And so I had this thought, like, what would excite me? It'd be good if I had some more stress. And like, the other thing is I realized no, you never meet someone who like didn't really like having a kid. Like one, we've all, so my wife and I always knew we want to have kids. And then you never really meet people who are like not stoked about it. So I'm like, if we know we want to do this and we know it's going to bring us joy, like why would we wait? Like what would be the reason? So we kind of just had this conversation. We're like, oh, like, I don't really have an answer for that. So like, let's go for it. <laughs> and off we went. And, and so it's funny because like we, we had that, we had that thought. And uh, basically that month that we kind of said like, oh, maybe we should do for it, go for it. I like looked at the calendar. I was like, you know, if uh, if you got pregnant like this month, like he could have my birthday, and uh, and 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 we got pregnant that month. He didn't. He was born a little early, so he's like a July baby instead of August. But like, you know, off to the races. And so it, it was cool. It was, it was a fun experience. It was definitely like a big leap of faith. Like, because you're kind of like, fuck it, let's just go for it. And it happened super quick. And we we're like, oh, here we are. <laughs> like, you know, here's the world. Um, but it, it's been a cool journey. Beautiful. You said something there that that sparked my interest to dig in on on a slightly deeper level. Never making a decision out of out of fear. I think that's a really powerful quip that you just made. That what what's going on there at like a deeper yeah at a deeper level. It's interesting. So like you know how I said like earlier like I've always felt confident, right? But like I didn't have goals, right? So I was like confident, and I had I had like the idea of goals, but like I kind of dreams. So like in 20, in 2019, I was working a job I was making. So let me back up. Um, so I ran my business. Like I said earlier, the reason I stopped doing my business was when my dad died. Right. And so basically I was not feeling it. And I was like, this is something that I'd done kind of, you know, not with him, but like that chapter of my life ended. That's also when I stopped doing soccer stuff. So it was like this big, really hard end of like a bunch of things I'd done. I graduated college that year. I got engaged that year. So it was like this huge thing, right? So then I went into an SDR job, right? Like this remote tech sales job. It was an entry-level job. I did that for a little bit and moved into a, a more like big boy job, right? And I got it and it was like a huge pay increase for me. Like it, it changed my life, right? And so 
I had this big step up. I was in this great job. Um, and it was going like, okay. Right. It was like going, okay. I was like making good money, but like, it just, it, it was boring, you know, like other, you know, whatever. And then, and then the pandemic happened. Right. And like, like everyone in the world, like I was just asking myself, like, what am I doing? Right. And I realized like, I'm bored. I realized, I believe that I'm better than the results of what I'm doing. And I asked myself, like, what did I want to do? Right. And I've always, and by that point I've been like, okay, like eventually I want to be like a founder, like start a business, like, you know, work for my, whatever. Um, and like, so I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. Then like parallel to that, I met this guy who's like founder of a company. He offered me a job and I said no to it. And I was like, I don't want to work for you. Like I want to do what you're doing. Like, so no. And, but meanwhile, I was working that job that I knew I didn't like and that I was bored of. Right. And I was really not doing much. And, um, like, and so basically I just had this realization that like, what I want to be doing is like doing the stuff for myself eventually. But the reason I'm not doing it is because I don't feel like ready or like, I didn't feel like I had the skills or whatever. This guy was willing to pay me to learn the skills, but I had turned him down because my ego said I wanted to be the guy, not the guy working for the guy. Right. But I wasn't the guy working for the guy. I was the guy working for a boring, uninspiring company that I didn't give a shit about. Right. And so I just realized I sat and I just had this deep realization. And again, it was, this is while I'm being like non-compliant with vaccines. It's like, you know, so it's like I had, there was this storm of things going on that I was just like, I'm a certain fucking guy and I got to fucking act like it. Like this isn't, you know, and I just realized like I have to do. And so I was like, I have to do the scary brave thing. And so I called the guy, I took a, I halved my pay in the middle of the pandemic to go take this like crazy job. It's not middle, it's like early, but like, basically I just did. And because what I realized was what I need is not the thing that logically makes sense, which is like the safe, cushy, high paying job. It's that like, I want to go do something fucking crazy because that's actually what I want. And I'm not going to be happy if I don't do that. And so I just, and, and I realized like, when I think about and it's like, I had talked to people about it, right? And like all the logical things were like, don't do this. And I just realized like, that's not who I am. That's not what I want. That's not what interests me. And so I was like, why am I not doing this? Because of fear. Like I'm scared to do a jump and have it not work out. But that's exactly why everyone doesn't do what they need to do. And so I just decided like, I'm going to make my primary decision-making lens what excites me. Because I believe I am someone who things will work out for no matter what. And so I'm going to do what excites me because I will just simply make that work out and I won't. So I try to just identify like when, so like my thing with California is like the number one thing people don't like about California is taxes. I consider that a fear, like fear of feasibility of costs. I don't make decisions from that. And so if that's not an issue, I'm not going to make the decision from there. Right. And so it's like, it, it trickles into all these other places, but it's kind of like just this commitment to like, I will not, I do not, you know, with vaccines, I'm not going to be bullied into things like with taxes, with, with nothing. I do not want to make decisions out of fear for what might happen. I'm going to like stand my ground, be firmly planted and like make shit work. And if, you know, things happen, not everything goes perfect, but it's like starting from the position of like be firm and like adapt to need, like true need, not fear, you know, and, and what's crazy is like when I first did that, it scared the fuck out of me. Now it doesn't because it's so quickly, so clearly paid off that it was just immediately apparent like, oh my God, I'll never go back from doing this because every time I do this now, every time I make a decision that makes no sense other than it makes me smile, it it pays off so much higher than like the, the kind of like surface level framing of it initially felt like that now it's almost like I just, it's almost like now more than even I seek to do what excites me because now what excites me is doing what no one else would be willing to do, right? And so it's like, it's this weird 
thing. You know, I'm a big believer in like momentum too. And so it's like, I have a lot of energy about this partially because there's a lot of momentum behind this like feeling in me because early on it was like these small little things, but like as those returned and then the bigger bet and then the bigger bet, now it's just like, all right, fuck it, bring it on. <laughs> Hell yeah. That is, that is powerful, man. Listening to that makes me think you've stumbled upon sort of a baseline foundational sort of aspect of reality. There, there are three quotes that come to mind. One, nature loves courage. Two, fortune favors the bold. Three, the harder I work, the luckier I get. When we, when we talk about nature, luck, like yeah. creating the future that you want to live, you, it requires you to take risk, but not, not risk to avoid fear, risk towards love, towards what excites you, towards, towards, towards aliveness. And yeah. it, it's awesome to hear, you, to hear you say that because you're, you're living it, you're, you're, you're going for it. And I'm really excited for what you're, for what you're, you're up to and, and what the future holds. Yeah, you know, so it's funny. Um, my, one of my like, guiding principles, so by the, to back up, I think the approach is also like anti-fragile, right? Because it's literally, you're placing high-risk bets, but with the confidence that it's not catastrophic if it goes wrong. And so where most people treat high-risk bets as all or nothing, I treat it as all or it doesn't matter. And so, and I think with that, it's like, it's like you make that your reality because in, and this is like, I don't know if you've seen me use the term Kellenomics, but this has like actually been termed, like the term Kellenomics by made up definition that someone else made up was the act of taking anything that ever happens to you and treating it like the best thing that's ever happened to you or making it the best thing that's ever happened to you, right? And so it's just being like, I'm going to make this bet, but again, love your fate. Whatever the outcome is, like, I'm happy for that because that's what had to happen. Like, because it's like, if I fundamentally believe in my forward progress, it's like, whatever happened just leads to what happened next. So like, even if it was tough, like, that's just what goes there. I mean, you're tying it all together here is where, where we talk about momentum. We talk about loving your fate. You talk about jujitsu, which is just rolling with the flow. And it may seem like you're losing. It may seem like something is a loss, but it's not over. You just keep rolling with it. You turn that loss into the win. It's the best thing that ever happened to you. This is Kalanomics. This is Amor yeah. Apate. This is momentum in action. It's two steps forward, one step back. Two, three steps forward, two steps back. It's always progress. You're always learning and iterating. And that's what that's the life that that you've lived so far from what I've seen. You, you've made progress forward, even though you know life hasn't always been a smooth ride. It's yeah. it's something where you're living life with with courage and and with your with your head up. And what I was curious about was was if you have any sort of future plans or projects that you're working on that that you wanted to to share out or or kind of talk yeah. talk about in any any kind of way. The big one, you know, one of the ones that like I haven't talked about anywhere is like I, I have a lot of like I have plans. I don't know what yet, but like I want to do something with Caltrad. So like I, I legit plan to make Caltrad like a real, real thing. Um, I don't know what, but like I, I just think it's like I think it has real legs. Um, so that's like, <laughs> you know, who knows? We'll see what that ends up becoming. But like I have goals to like make that something. And I, and I want it to be something that's uh, not B2B. Like most of my business is like to businesses. Like I want to find something to, like serve the community with Caltrad. Like I think that's like kind of my goal. Um so if you have any ideas, let me know. And, and yeah, so that's one of them. Uh, besides that, like, so I'm, oh, I remembered what I was going to say earlier. So I have a mantra that I like live by, which is revenue is downstream of impact, right? And so what it means is like, um, if you think of scarcity mindset and in sales, there's this kind of like perennial concept of like give to take is like most people in life exist mostly scared that they're not going to get what they want and so they they behave like irrationally trying to like extract what they want from the world and i'm a believer like a sincere believer that like everything i want is downstream of things i'll do for others 
right? And so I think most people's lens is like, what can I get? And then what do I have to do to get it? My pursuit is like, what can I do for others? Like, where can I move mountains? Like, what are the things that I can do proprietarily well? And that's what fucking excites me. And I have no idea how I gain from it. But what I know, and it's why it's impossible to guess, is the way you tend to gain from these things tends to be very different. Again, like the surface level framing, right? And so it's like helping salespeople like on Twitter and then get like a LinkedIn executive who DMs me and goes, hey, I'm an anonymous guy who follows you and I want to like get you to do this random thing, right? And shit like that where you're like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And so it's like, I don't know, but like, I just know that I'm going to keep pointing myself. Like, I, I really like hard things too, like hard challenges. Like I'm particular, like, I, so I just try to find like, what are big, hard problems that need to be solved and like do stuff about it. And I, and I think where it's going to lead is like, I think I'll have like more awesome people around me. I think well, the people around me will have a better time. You know, I, like I hope to, you know, my goal is to get better and better at like serving people around me. You know, right now I'm like a bit reliant on like, I serve parties like a, or people as like a third party thing. Like I'd love a world where like I could directly employ people as an example and like stuff like that. But we'll see, man. Like we'll see, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll open a jujitsu gym and just do that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'll end up. Where are you going to end up? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a difficult, difficult question, but the words that you put to the process through which you're thinking about it, the lens that you're using is a really powerful one that, I know anyone listening would, would benefit from just serving those around you in a higher way, having a great time and looking long-term. Th- those are those are three really powerful lenses because it's true. If you hold too tightly onto the exact thing that you want to do, the odds of that actually happening like that are, are so small. But right. there's this quote that's like, focus on the target, win the prize, focus on the prize, miss the target. And I always kind of love that one because it's like, oh, right. I just got to, if I'm present in this moment, doing my best it's going to manifest in a beautiful way. But if I'm, you know, forgetting about this and just trying to like think of the next thing, we have a very uh, flimsy grip on whatever all this is. And if all we can really do is bring our, you know, heart and soul to the moment and trying to do our best to, to serve those around us. So I think it's, it's really powerful, the, the perception that you're bringing to it. I also think it's like stressful because if your mind's on the pride, it's like, how do you hit the target, right? Like if, if you can't hit the target, you throw at the target and then you refine it, right? So like you have to make full faith efforts at that target to win the prize. And if you're just thinking about the prize, like you're distracting yourself from the target, right? And and I think that that, to me, I it's uh, it's about like positivity, negative, negativity, like abundance, scarcity. And, and I really think just a lot of people live through very negative, very scarce mindsets. And if they just looked at things like, am I being fearful? Am I acting like, you know, transactional and things like that. It's the exact same thing as how like a thirsty guy acts towards a, a girl, right? And it's like, and when you see that, you have that like visceral reaction, of like, God, that guy's being like a fucking goof. It's like, but that's like how people interact with life, right? It's like they're thirsty and they're dying. And they're not going to get, and it's like, no, it's not, you know, it doesn't, at least it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it really stems back to what you were mentioning before coming to it from a place of fear versus a place of courage and, and love and excitement and and using that as, as a foundational practice. Is, is there anything that you do to sort of stoke that fire on a, on a daily basis or, or access that within yourself? I, I get really energized by like people. Like I really do. You know, it's like weird. I have like, I, I have like this fortunate feedback loop. The things that I like, I get energy from the things I want to be doing to, to give to people as well. And so it's like this cyclical sort of like building where it's like I... I gain from what I give, you know, so like directly the things for me, I guess are like, 
I spend like, I spend like a good amount of time outside, like quite a bit. Like I, 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 you know, I own a house here in the Bay area, but like, I, I will leave my house multiple times a day to like, just be not in my house. Like I cannot be in my house all day. You know, environment's really big for me. Um, I spend, you know, a lot of time outside under the sun, a lot of time, you know, in grass and like, you know, touch, like physically <laughs> experiencing nature, you know, lifting weights is like a big one for me. I think just like a lot of it's just like knowing, I think it's just like, you know what you want. And then like to get those things, you have to do certain things. And I'm just someone who's like, I just identify what like I want. And then I do the things that would be what that would do. And it like tends to serve me, you know what I mean? And so it's almost like, I'm a big, you know, it's like the commitment to do something and then like the feedback of like what I feel about doing it are very separate. And I think like the thing to do is make commitments to do things and like your feedback loops are kind of inevitable, but like most people just suck at like going and doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I'd rather drive to somewhere I don't like as an example, not like literally physically drive, but like, I'll be like, I'm going to do this and then I'll just keep doing it. And then eventually I'm like, oh, I, I don't like doing this anymore. And it's like, great. Now what's my new goal? Because now I'll just do that. You know what I mean? And so being like, I kind of like, it's almost like I would say I do what I want. It's just, I've done a good job in actively work to like craft the world around me where that ecosystem feeds itself properly. It's a powerful system that, that you've built. It's, it's a mindset system that I'm sure took a while to, to put into place. But now that you're now that you're here, I'm really excited to see what what comes as a result of that. One thing you mentioned was putting some energy into spreading the the concept, the ethos of Caltrad. What what is Caltrad? What does it mean to you? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so it's funny because the first time I like the first use of Caltrad, I thought it was great, but like I had no idea anyone else would think it was great. Like actually, actually, um, but it was as simple as like. You know, like I, you know, as you know, like I'm a huge defender of California. I love the state, like, I'm, you know, whatever. Um, and I think on Twitter, like I'd seen someone like talking about Texas or something, you know, people are always competitive about Texas and Florida and California. And like, I, I saw something about Texas and for whatever reason, the word Tex-Mex popped in my head and I was like, Tex-Mex, Cal. And then like, also I used, I used to actually post more like making fun of like trads, but like, and so I was just like Caltrad because I was like, I'm Caltrad because I'm not a trad trad but like i'm a line like basically because i grew up like my mom was real she was in you know we had all whole wheat stuff and my mom was against hydrogenated oils before there were seed oils forever ago and like you know my mom's been all about the adrenal stuff and like so i grew up like my mom's pretty like hippie-ish right so she's very like holistic health based like we you know i've never had a flu shot like and so there's like all these different things and so it's as i i'd never heard of trad before and then on Twitter, I started hearing trads and this, and like, there's all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm Caltrad because I'm, I'm a, like, so to me, Caltrad is high innovation, um, high risk tolerance, entrepreneurial, and it's like, it's American excellence for sure. And the idea is actually like, it's, it's, it's more than people realize, I think, which is thinking of the history of this country, right? Because I've always identified like I'm, I'm an American, right? Like I have roots maybe somewhere else, but like my, my, my family has been here pre-American revolution, both sides. But it's like, I'm American. That's what I am. I'm nothing else. I have no, you know, I don't know. I'm not European at all. Like I'm not. And so, but thinking about like, who are Americans? Who came to the United States? Right. And it was like high risk, like entrepreneurial people willing to like, trying to go like create this new life. Right. And so the people, and then of those people that came to the Americas, right. The, a small subsect of them were like high freedom, like high personal liberty, 
high risk tolerance and they're willing to fight their government to create a country, right? We all know our, you know, the American revolution, right? And it's like of the people who were willing to come on the boat, a subsect of them did that. Then we had the United States, right? So we have the United States of those people, the most high risk entrepreneurial, like spirited people went West, right? They expanded West. They loaded their fucking families into wagons to go into knowingly dangerous places and travel across the entire, farther than I've ever driven in a wagon, right? Lots of them died doing it. Like they had to go through absolutely insane things to do it. And those people who ended up West, like that's manifest destiny, right? It's like, that is the story of our country. And that is what American excellence is. And we expanded West. Those people ended up here, right? On the West coast. I live like in Silicon Valley. If you were to, and now California has a lot of micro versions of this, but Caltrain is like though that same like dense, like that, uh, like that concentration of American excellence that became the westward expansion that became California, right? California, by the way, like we overthrew Mexico as a sovereign state prior to the United States signing the treaty to make California a state. And so like Californians have been fucking shit up way before it was even a United States thing. So it's like, it is clearly, so that all happened. Now we have Hollywood, we export culture, right? Like we, you know, California, we're, we're what the fourth largest GDP of a country of any country, Right. And so it's like what the United States represents to the rest of the world. California is that to the rest of the United States. Right. And so to me, and so with all of that, and like these people, it's the gold rush, right? It's like it's Wells Fargo, right? It's the tech industry as a whole that absolutely boomed the world. Whatever you think of it, it's like that's American excellence. Right. And so it's like California has this bad rap about liberalism and like progressivism and all this stuff. It's like, to me, that's not Californians. It's not, I, you know, I live here, you live here. It's not most people I meet. Most people I know do not feel represented by either side of the government. Most people do not feel represented by California's government whatsoever. And so to me, those people are Caltrap because they would, if you were to like take a note, like, you know, also California cast more votes for Donald Trump than any other state last election. So it's like California like has this reputation, but it's like, no, we are an incredible, you know, we're, we, we grow the food, right? We still have this. So we also continue to have like food freedom. You know, I was a kid, like we have a robust homeschooling communities, right? We have a lot of people who grow food here. So it's like our culture is a lot of the things that a lot of like the return to people want, but we're a futurist version of it. And I believe more in the futurist version. I believe in making commercial viability of like farmstead quality products, not just make it where it's like, Hey, if you can carve yours out, you're good. It's like, no, I look at Oakland and I want all those people to have the same thing. And that's going to happen not through a homestead, but through Caltrap, through like enterprise and like bringing that further forward, not looking backwards. So that's kind of like, you know, in a nutshell, like that's what Caltrad is to me. It's in, and it's about aligning people to go like, it's not really like, it's not, you know, it's not Republican. It's not, it's not a political thing, but it does more accurately represent more people in this state, the most powerful state in the world than any other idea from my perspective. And it's good energy, it's sunshine, it's health, it's fitness, it's weights, you know, it's, it, it's hot chicks, it's bikinis, you know, it's all the stuff and it's everything, you know, it's, it's motorcycles, it's everything. Beautiful, powerful. Man, that's that's a great place to to land this podcast. That's exactly what drove me from New Hampshire to the other side of the country to California. It's that energy. It's it's that excellence. It's that innovation. It's that power that is sort of undercovered. There seems to have been some sort of potentially um, communist influence on the way, like people perceive California. Yeah. There's like something dark happening there. But when 
you know, I agree with you being here. There's, there's so much more, um, there's so much, there's so much raw power in California that that really is the America of America. It's, it's the center yeah. of, of energy. I mean, Tesla, Apple, like pretty much every amazing innovation came from here in the yeah. past 10, 20, 30 years. So it, there's something really special about this land and um, you're certainly embodying that. It's it, And it's funny because like where I'm going to like piss off the right wing people is like it is diverse in good ways. It is a melting pot in good ways. It brings people here. You know what I mean? And so to me, it's like that is like, I you know, and I think most people kind of agree. It's like we we attract like high innovate, like people don't come to California because they think there's no chance it's going to go poorly. Right. So I hear a lot of that sort of sentiment out in the world. And I, I'm like, dude, what are you know, when I hear like the trad people complaining, I'm like, you are more of a pussy than the dude who came to California sending it, trying to make it happen. And the guy that I wanted to back up and the person I feel like kinship with is the person like shooting for it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I'm just doing the same stuff. Like I'm going to miss step two, you know? And, and so it's like, yeah, it's just interesting. Cause like people like you, you're, you're exactly, obviously very Caltrad and exactly what I mean, where it's like, it's not about like, you know, born here. It's like the people that buy into the excellent California. It's like, that's my people because I know when people have that attitude, like that attitude, plus like the, the knowledge and, you know, wisdom we have, it's like, it's going to go well. You know, the biggest thing I'm finding is like black pills, negativity, and that's not that's right. Well, man, it's, it's been awesome connecting with you here, hearing more about your philosophy of life and, and the way that you approach the approach to the world. And I really hope that you're able to get this message out, out there more and more because it's a powerful one and deeply appreciate you spending the time sharing it with me here today on this podcast. So we can, so we can amplify the, the message just a little bit and, and give everyone a deeper look at, at what you're all about because it's, it's potent stuff. Is, is there any last bit that you'd like to, to share or a piece of the puzzle that, that, that we miss? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I don't think so. I don't think any puzzle miss, man. Like the truth is like, I, I think the last piece is just like, have fun with it. You know, it's like, make your own rules up. Like if you misinterpret it, run with that. That's perfect. You know what I mean? But, um, but I super appreciate you. This was, this was awesome. Like I I've been totally looking forward to like meeting and getting to sit down and like talk and, um, you know, hopefully people enjoy it. If they do like, uh, let us know. Awesome. Kellen K spirit. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Ha 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 ha!